from the Carter Subaru Studios. This is Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. It is the 9 p.m. hour. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. I am Jake Skorheim, your host. If you haven't caught up on the first two hours of the show, stop what you're doing right now. Actually, continue what you're doing. Listen to us. And then after the show at 10 p.m., go get the podcast. It doesn't take long. Just download the podcast. We like really, really appreciate it. Anytime you guys do that and you download it and you smash down that follow button or subscribe or whatever it is, that's like just makes us feel great. And it lets us know that you like what we're doing and you don't have to miss anything that we do. Like I know I, I'm under no illusion that you guys can possibly listen to every single minute of the show, every single night. You're busy. Like you guys are busy people and you have fantastic lives. And the fact that I just get to talk a little bit to you every night, I think it's just peaches. I love it. But if you want to catch everything, and I'm sure you do, make sure that you are listening to the podcast. Check it out. All right. So let's get right into it. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Really fast, so I have a question for you guys because I've noticed that I've started doing this now that I'm over 40, and I'm going to just keep talking about that a lot. I'm going to keep mentioning to people that I am now a middle-aged person, well into my, actually, is that well into middle age? Yeah, 40, what does middle age start? 35, 30? I'm 40. I'm halfway there, probably. Hopefully, I'm about halfway there. Maybe maybe a little less than halfway is my hope, but likely, likely I'm more than halfway there. I'm on the downslope. When did it start that I check the weather all the time? My weather app is like probably the most used app on my phone. You know, you get those little like notifications on your phone and it tells you what you've been doing, what you, how you've been spending your time. There's like a couple of things that it's like, it shows you how much entertainment you're doing on the different podcasts or um, uh, if you watch Netflix or whatever it is on your phone. But for me, like my always in my top three weather app, isn't that weird? Is that a strange thing? I'm like constantly, I'm like, oh my gosh, sweetie, look at this. And I'm telling my wife what the temperature is going to be in 10 days. I don't know why she would care about that. I don't know why I care about that, but it makes me feel good. There's something about it that I like. And I honestly, I can't put my finger on what it is. I'm just attributing it to age, I think is probably what it is. I used to not care about the weather. I, I mean, maybe just because I have the ability to know what the weather's going to be like. And it's getting really accurate too. Have you guys noticed this? If you go into the weather app on your phone, there's this little thing that says like light rain is forecasted for the next hour. Like in this location I'm looking at right now, light rain is forecasted for the next hour. And then sometimes it will say the rain is expecting to let up in 15 minutes, which is like back to the future. Do you like, do you guys remember on back to the future when Marty and the doc are parking the car in the alleyway and the doc is looking at his phone or maybe it's his watch or something. I don't, it's not a phone. They didn't have phones back then, but I think he's looking at his watch and the watch says rain's going to stop in five. And he counts it down five, four, three, two, one. He goes, Oh, I love that weather service. We're living in that time now. Isn't that amazing? We're living in that time. It is the future. We don't have to go back to it. We're there now. And I love looking at the weather. So if anybody wants to know what the weather's going to look like in 10 days in their particular neck of the woods, hit me up on the text line. I'll let you know. I, I know the weather because I can check it on my phone. All right. So enough about me talking about the weather. If you guys do the same thing, it would make me feel good to know that you also do it. 888-973-5476. Let me know about the weather. All right. Legislation is boring. It typically is boring, but if we are able to sex it up a little bit, 
then I think we're going to listen to whatever this legislation is. Now, this is legislation that I actually like. There's a bill that was introduced in Olympia, and I like it. But before we get into it, I want to kind of work us all up into the mood to be happy about things. And I think we need some sexy music. All right, so there is this legislation in Olympia that was put forward this week. And I don't think this is a great idea. It would ban Washington students from using cell phones during the school day. Doesn't this just seem like common sense? Why would somebody not want this? So the bill is called uh, House Bill 218. I'm sorry, 2018, 2018. Sponsored by Representative Stephanie McClintock, Republican Vancouver. Within the bill... A study from the London School of Economics was cited. The study claimed that the mere presence of a smartphone by a neighboring student can lower test scores for a non-phone student by approximately 16%. Can you believe that? It's almost a 20% drop. You're going from an A to a very low B just by somebody sitting next to you having a phone out. The legislature further finds that mobile devices can increase harm to students, mental health uh, either by recording students without consent or through increased cyberbullying, the bill read. Washington students are still recovering from the massive effects of closures during the COVID-19 pandemic, including a severe learning loss and troubling trends in, st- in student mental health. The legislature intends to combat these effects with safer and more engaging learning environments for students. Now, I actually think that this is a really great idea. I don't think that we should be using phones in schools. I don't know why that they allow phones in schools. I don't know when that started. I think the argument probably is that parents say, hey, if anything happens in a school, I want to be able to get in touch with my kids and I want to make sure that they're safe, which I understand as a parent, but you're also dropping them off at school and the school should be able to keep them safe. If you have to send them with a cell phone, send it in a bag. Como has a story and uh, they talked to some folks about this. The Beninso School District policy says students can bring their phones to school, but they can only use them before school, during lunch, or after school. The only exception is an emergency with an administrator's permission. They shouldn't be in, in the school because, man, I can just imagine myself when I was that age. I had a hard time enough without it. I also think that if you have this computer on your in your hand, um, you also have resources that you'll be able to use. Um, I think about some of my friends who are academically challenged. The superintendent tells... I'm going to pause this real fast because that, uh, that person brings up a really good point. Having this thing in your hand is the dangerous part. I don't think that students should have this in their hand. In fact, I am a person who believes even at home, students shouldn't have phones. If you guys disagree with me on this and you think I'm crazy, and I know many of you do because I've talked about this before, but you can hit me up on the text line, 888 Here is my anti-phone rant. I think they're bad, and they're bad for a lot of reasons. One, kids have access to a ton of stuff. Even with parental controls, kids have access to so much stuff on these phones, like the YouTube channels that kids watch. Weird stuff can work its way into those YouTube channels. And I'm not just being like a overly protective parent here. And yes, I have small kids. Yes, we haven't given them these phones. So I don't actually have firsthand experience with my kids using phones because I will not give them phones and I won't have firsthand experience. They're not getting phones until they're driving a car. And even then, it's gonna be a dumb phone. 
like a doodle bug or whatever they're called, jitterbug, those phones that don't have good internet access. And if they do, it's like maybe maps, like maybe that's the only thing it gets is maps. But still, even that, I'm not worried about like somebody posting weird stuff in the maps, but I'm fine with my kids just having a phone that can call me if they get stuck or they need a tire changed or something like that. That's great. Or they want to call AAA. Great. I want them to have a phone for that. But there are dumb phones that don't go on the internet and they can't post stupid things online and they can't post things onto social media that's going to come back to bite them in the butt 30 years from now when their brains are fully developed because they're not fully developed. They're dumb. Kids are, they don't know a lot because they're kids and they haven't gotten there yet, especially my sons. I have three sons. My fourth one is cooking right now and that little guy is due in June. So I'm going to have four boys and there's a lot of stuff on the internet that's very interesting to boys and I want to keep them away from the internet as long as humanly possible. And I just don't like, there's just something about them staring at a phone that I think makes them strange. Like, have you ever been into, gone into a room lately where there's a bunch of teenagers? What are the teenagers doing? When I was growing up, they would all gather together and just glare at the adults on the other side of the room. That's what teenagers are supposed to do. It's like just like gossip and laugh and make fun of people. But now they just all stare at their phones. Like they don't even talk to each other. And there's all these studies that are saying that kids are not picking up on facial cues because they haven't learned by seeing enough faces because they're all staring at their phones. Isn't that frightening to you guys? Don't you find that frightening? I find that very scary. She recently met with students and had them anonymously fill out cards afterward. She said most agreed limiting their phone access has improved focus and attentiveness in the classroom. So it's kind of this like weird line of like, when is it too much technology? But the district's director of digital learning said they do not believe that these new restrictions will hamper innovation. I also reached out to Senator Lisa Wellman, who does not see a need for the legislature to get involved in banning cell phones in class, but she is closely monitoring how well prepared students are in the area of technology. So I, I guess I kind of agree with her in a, little, a little bit. Do I think that the legislature needs to spend their time banning cell phones? No. But I think concerned parents and school districts should be able to just say no phones. Like, it does it? I, and I don't know the answer to this question, so you guys can text me and let me know this. But does the school have the ability to say no phones? You can't have these here. And just let the individual school say that. Because if my kid goes to some school and the school says, you're not allowed to have these phones, I wouldn't even question it. I'd say, great, I don't want these phones. But I guess if I'm a parent who wants my kid to have a phone with them the whole time and the school says no phones, Maybe questions get asked and maybe the school says, actually, you know, under the bylines, actually, I, we can't actually ban phones. I don't know if they have that power. I think they should be able to have that power to ban phones. I don't like them. I don't think they should be using them. And I just feel like it's kind of a bad deal. All right, let's move on. This was interesting. I saw this and it kind of made me laugh. And so I thought I would play, play it with you guys. Um, have you guys ever heard of Cornell University? I think it's actually pronounced Colonel. If you're not a Cornell man, you probably shouldn't wear them. No, I get it. I I totally understand, and uh, I just want to assure you that I mean no disrespect. You see, I'm applying. Come on, you think you could get into Cornell? Well, if someone who barely outsells Phyllis can get in, it should be <laughs> fine. 
I'm sitting right here, Dwight. I meant that as a compliment to you, Phyllis, as well as a slight to Andy. As well as a slight to Andy. That, of course, is from The Office. Andy Dwyer is very, very proud of his uh, his uh, degree from Cornell. Uh, so listen to this. This is really interesting. Cornell University, there's this study done, this analysis done by this uh, uh, website called The College Fix, where they look at different universities and they look at uh, just all this data that's available on, on these universities. And they found with Cornell University... Some sometimes pronounced Colonel. Cornell University employs one administrator for every two undergraduate students. Doesn't that seem insane to you? One administrator for every two undergrad students, according to an analysis by the College Fix. So listen to these details. During the 2022-23 school year, the most recent data that was available, the university had 7,764 full-time administrators and support staff. Full-time. That's a lot of money coming in. And like tenure, they're not getting rid of these people anytime soon. So according to this information, the school filed with the Federal Integrated Post-Secondary Education Data System, which sounds very official and probably something they were required to do if they receive any public money. Uh, Administrators and support staff include management, student, and academic affairs divisions, IT, public relations, administrative support, maintenance, legal, and other non-academic departments, now, here's where the numbers kind of break down. Full-time student enrollment that year, between 2022 and 2023, was 15,685 full-time students, making the ratio of undergrads to administrators and support staff 495 support staff to 1,000 students, which works out, ba 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 in my dumb math, one to two. Isn't that crazy? One of the things that I constantly am amazed by, and I'm a person who went to an out-of-state school for college. I went to, I went to, in Hawaii, I went to the university of Hawaii, which I've talked about many times on the show. And so I grew up in Washington. I ended up going to college at the university of Hawaii. Now they have some deal where, because I, uh, Washington is a West coast state, then you get like partial in-state tuition, which really just means it's like still very expensive and stupid. And if I would have really been thinking about it, probably looking back now as an adult who has to pay bills and write checks, would I have spent as much as I spent on college? No, ridiculous. Thankfully, my parents were smart enough that they said, hey, Jake, we're gonna break down some of these costs with you. This is before I, this was at the end of high school before I got into college. And they said, if you go to such and such a college, because I think at the time I wanted to go to UW or WSU, I want to stay close by. Um, They said, if you go to such and such a college, it's gonna cost you this much per year. But... By the, end, by the time you get out, it's going to cost you this much. But if you go to a community college first, then you will only be paying this much. It's like a fraction of the price. Now, of course, I didn't want to jump into community college. I wanted to get away and go have that college experience and the freshman life and all that kind of stuff. But then when they showed me the numbers, because I was going to have to pay for college eventually, uh, it, it definitely made sense. And personally for me with, uh, with uh, school and just m- the maturity level that I was at at 18, I was not ready to leave home. I wouldn't have taken it as seriously as I should have and it would have been a bad deal. So for me, community college was a great thing. So I was able to go to community college. I did the two years and then transferred and uh, then spent some, some time in Hawaii, which is, uh, again, bad idea, but really nice. Great weather. I loved it. Lots of surfing, not a ton of class. Anyway, the point of that whole story is that schools are very, very expensive. 
And I'm always wondering, like, why is school so expensive? They have so many people who go there. I think when I went to my college, the university I went to at the time, I think had like 30,000 students. And I started adding up the money. I'm like, all right, if 30,000 people are going here and they're like, they're not all paying what I'm paying, but if they're paying a little bit less than I'm paying because I'm at like partial out of state, this school is raking in so much money. And where's all that money going? Well, it looks like in court at Cornell, it's going to the administrative staff because one out of two is a lot. That's a ton. All right, uh, I think we have time for one more very fast story. This one was strange, but we're living in strange times. So here it is. Do you guys know who Elmo is? That's a stupid question. Of course you know who Elmo is. He's a little red guy, uh, really famous a few years ago for Tickle Me Elmo. Uh, there's some kind of off-putting about that to me. Uh, so Elmo is on, of course, he's on uh, Twitter and, or X, whatever you call it. So Elmo was on X and he posted something and I, kind of an innocuous thing. It was just a really nothing. He posted it to his followers on X and he asked a question. He said, Elmo is just checking in. How is everybody doing? Simple question. Should have simple responses. That has gone viral, and a lot of people are talking about this, and they're responding hilariously. The uh, post has now gotten more than 177 million views, and it has been shared everywhere. A lot of the replies, and I think the reason this is you know, such a huge uh, uh, viral thing, pretty depressing, not happy, definitely not Sesame Street vibe, and so much so that the Sesame Street account after after everybody started posting these like pretty pretty depressing sad replies the sesame street account found that it would be a good idea to uh, post some links to some mental health resources now clearly i think people are just messing with it but here are some of the replies again it was elmo who posted on x elmo said elmo is just checking in just imagine this in elmo voice i'm not going to do it because it's creepy elmo is just checking in how is everybody doing uh here's some of the replies Every morning, I cannot wait to go back to sleep. Every Monday, I cannot wait for Friday to come. Every single day and every single week for life, <laughs> which, which is sad uh, and funny. Uh, another one said, Elmo, I'm suffering from existential dread over here. I need to learn how to read. Another one said, not good, Elmo, not good. Uh, another one said, the world is burning, Elmo. No amount of tickles can fix this. Even Joe Biden got in on this. Now, I thought Joe Biden would be busy running the country or worrying about the border or maybe fighting one of the wars that are going on around the world. He said, I know how hard it is some days to sweep the clouds away and get to sunnier days. The uh, post from the president said, our friend Elmo is right. We have to be there for each other, offer our help to a neighbor in need, and above all else, ask for help when we need it. Even though it's hard, you're never alone. So that's from Joe Biden, and that's kind of a nice message, I guess. I'd be surprised if that was actually Joe Biden tweeting or Xing, whatever you call it these days. To wrap it all up, Elmo said, Wow, Elmo is glad he asked. Elmo will check in again soon, friends. <laughs> Elmo loves you. Hashtag emotional well being. So I guess even Elmo seems a little overwhelmed by the responses. All right, uh, we got a lot coming up. You're not going to want to miss it. I promise it's going to be a great rest of the hour. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I have a very special guest on with me right now. He is a reporter for Cairo Radio. His name is Matt Markovich. He used to work for Sex Wax. You can look that up on Google. <laughs> 
And he's just a heck of a guy. Thanks for coming on, Matt. Always, Jake. Anytime. All right. So there's a new house bill out. And it has to do... Senate bill. Senate bill. Sorry. Okay. It's a bill. Whatever. It's, okay. in, it's in government. Uh, <laughs> there's a government bill out. And it is dealing with something that most people take advantage of at some point in their life, which is coupons. I'm a cheap guy. Me so too. I use coupons. My not, wife uses coupons. We're not cheap. We are uh, frugal. Frugal. Yeah. No, frugal oh, okay. is a much nicer oh, word yeah, than cheap. Yeah. Cheap implies that we're like, you know, not yeah. buying things that we should be buying. Frugal means that we are- Wise people, wise shoppers. We're wise shoppers. Uh, we are deliberate in our penny purchases. Penny pinchers. Yeah. Nah, mm. even penny pinchers has That's a still derogatory? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So tell me about this uh, well, Senate bill. Have you had problems using a digital coupon, like standing in the store- and you got your app out, you're in the grocery store and, oh my gosh, I can't download this thing. It's not working. But the only way I can get a discount off my six pack of Coke, let's say I'm buying, um, is have that digital coupon. Sure. And you don't get it because you can't download it. Well, this is what this bill addresses. It addresses a Senate bill 6265 basically says, let's make it an even playing field for all coupons. You have paper coupons, you got your circular that comes in the mail. And you have your digital coupons, which you get on an app, sure. or if you're standing in the store, it says "scan me." You know, there's a little QR code, scan the barcode, and then the the coupon will come up on your phone, and then you take that to your uh, cashier, and you know, apply it to your loyalty card, and it's all this digital stuff. Well, you know, there's a lot of people out there that don't have smartphones. Or a computer to download these electronic coupons they can get off of the internet. There's a lot of people. There's some people. I wouldn't say, is there a lot? Okay. There I'm, are people. Let's say I'm there gonna, are let, people. Me, let me just quote the senator behind this, is, which is Steve Conway, Democrat from uh, Tacoma. There are a lot. Okay. <laughs> okay. He's an old guy. <laughs> there are a lot that? of people. Okay. So I'll, uh, he's the one who's saying a lot. So he's brought forth this bill because of his frustration. He basically says... Why not force these large grocery chains, and the, this bill would affect only grocery stores that are larger than 15,000 square feet, which is basically any supermarket or a large market sure. in the state. Why not make these guys, if you have a digital coupon and you don't have the digital coupon in the checkout line, you get the, you get the discount. You just get it. So it, ha it has to be available to everyone. It has to be available. He called it coupon discrimination. And- and that's an interesting title because you're discriminating against, uh, against people who can't download the digital coupon and use it because either they don't have a device or standing there and the Wi-Fi doesn't work. Sure. It doesn't work. So what are like uh, – so I'm trying to think how I feel about this. So I, under, I understand why they would want to do that. I, I am a person – like so I do the um, – uh, I, we shop at Fred Meyer a lot. Fred Meyer, like my dad says, at Fred Meyer's has all your heart's desires. Uh, so we shop at Fred Meyer's. And when you go into Fred Meyer, you can go into the, the drive up pickup stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you just pop the trunk of your car and they shove it all in there for you. And they also, you can apply your coupons to your order. It's great. And you did that all digitally, right? You did that. Well, sometimes it's digital, but yeah. sometimes they actually send a physical thing to my house. Yeah. And they say, if you spend more than $200, then you can get this. This coupon is worth right. $25 off or whatever it is. And then you feel like an idiot when you don't bring that with you because you're just mm -hmm. basically giving them 25 extra dollars. Well, Steve Conway, the senator who's sponsoring, is saying that we live in an area where there's food deserts. There are uh, people who uh, are 
the the food costs are gone up so much. They're looking for any totally deal have. they can. Yeah. So why are you discriminating on against again bringing up the six pack of Coke? Why are you discriminating on a coupon for the guys who can download a digital one, where the people who don't have the means to do that have to pay full price why on they that have to pay more sure. uh, on that six pack of Coke? So that's what this is all about. Now, well, how does the food and, and grocers in there talk about uh, think about this? Well, they hate it. They don't like it at all. Now, why don't they like it? They because testify they're, because well, they're offering that coupon to somebody. Why wouldn't they? Because it's disrupting their marketing targeting of their audience of of their customer. They say that. The people who receive digital coupons, whether on the app, is a different target audience. They're, they're intentionally, and basically they said, not all coupons are supposed to be the same. They're, they're not equal. They testified at the hearing that I listened to. Uh, the guy who's getting the digital coupon is a different target audience. And the, the idea is to try and get that guy, who may not go to the store all the time, into the store. And bring them into the store with his phone it's a and his little enticement. And, and exactly, and the, and the circular, the people that you get the circular in the mail every Wednesday, those that's a different crowd that they're targeting. Yeah, and then you have the coupon clippers uh, who are in the newspapers clipping your coupons. In the high end world of espionage, they call this a honeypot. They're trying to entice somebody with a honeypot and mm-hmm. get them into the store yep. with this coupon. This is the digital version of a honeypot. Yeah. So so one of the complaints yeah one right of the complaints away. was that the stores say well you know we have all most stores have a policy that if you heard about a digital coupon uh, cost you know price drop um, you just have to go to the checkout stand and tell the checker hey I saw this the six pack of coke was on sale and they'll give Can, it to you and they'll give it to you you know and why and the he was saying the center was saying well why should the customer have to do that why not there's no sign at the checkout stand. Please ask us about coupons you don't know about so we can apply it to your your final bill. There, there's no sign that says ask us about how we can reduce well, see, your bill. This is where this is where I think he's going down a uh, I think this is where he's not understanding coupons. If the store is just going to offer the lowest price at all times, even if somebody doesn't have, why why have coupons at all? Why have digital coupons? Why have printable coupons? If what he's saying he wants them to do is offer that lowest price to every single person, then the store is just going to say, all right, no more coupons. They're gone. Mm-hmm. And we're just not going to be able to do that anymore because we can't offer the lowest price to every person. We're trying, like the store is saying, we're trying to entice certain people into the store who may mm-hmm. not be shopping as much as we want them to shop. But there are stores. There's a large a large market uh, chain called Winco, sure, uh, which does not offer Duke coupons they just basically have low prices they that's what that's their their marketing ploy we don't have coupons we have specials but we don't have any coupons and everybody gets a special and everybody gets a special you yeah. know there's no there's no segregation of the customer by I, technology i still like coupons because i feel like it makes it sets me apart from some not not that it makes me extra special but what I think it shows is that somebody's extra diligent. I took the extra time mm-hmm. to try to save that money. Like you're doing, you're doing a little bit of work, and your reward mm-hmm. is you don't have to pay as much mm-hmm. as somebody who walks in, like a Matt Markovich, who walks in and says, "I'm just going to buy a six pack of Coke because I don't mm-hmm. care because yeah. I have sex wax money, so <laughs> I'm just going to pay full price for Coke." A guy like me walks in and I say, "You know what? I don't know why Cokes are suddenly eight dollars for a six pack, and they are crazy. Like, I don't know why soda is so expensive." But I have a coupon. I'm going to get a deal. And yeah. it makes me feel like a sex work. Or not sex work. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel like a sex wax 
Worker. Matt Markovich money guy. <laughs> all of that is just horrible. Yeah. Um, all right. So I think I understand what you're saying. And we'll it, see if this passes. Yeah. Yeah. And then the one last thing about this is that they, they, they argued about uh, the manufacturer's coupon. Now, I actually have to scan the, the stores if you have a manufacturer one. Sure. Came from... Uh, Procter and Gamble or whatever. Yeah, the store doesn't have anything to do with that. Has zero to do that. In yeah. fact, if they scan it, then Procter and Gamble will pay the store back for the difference in the price. Yeah. So the stores need those coupons. Uh, and if you walk up to a teller and say, or a cashier and say, "Hey, I saw a Procter and Gamble coupon for a dollar off the uh, Tide or whatever. Um, can you give it to me?" Well, the center was saying, "Let's give it to everybody." Well, the main, the stores are saying, "Well, those are manufacturer coupons; they're different." You're asking us to just give away money in that case, yeah. like, yeah. "All right, well, I don't think I like this bill." If I'm being completely honest, I don't like it, but maybe my listeners might like it. Triple eight ninety seven three five four seven six. Let me know what you think, Matt Markovich, Cairo News Radio. Thanks so much for coming on. Anytime, Jake. Always happy to Fantastic. talk. Fantastic. I love this guy. All right, we got a lot more coming up on the show. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. It's the last segment of the night, and every night at this time, I really like to give you guys the best of the best. I like to send you away with a smile. That's what I'm trying to do. Listen to this. This is crazy. I'm not trying to freak you guys out, but I want you very carefully. Like, if you're listening in your car, maybe don't do this right now, because it is scary, and I don't want you to be scared. And just drive comfortably ahead. Stare straight ahead. Don't be scared. Don't do anything drastic, but I need you guys to know something. For the rest of you who aren't driving around, I want you to go outside or look to your window. It's kind of cold, so maybe don't go outside, but look to your window right now. Look up at the moon. Can you see it? Well, I have bad news for you. The moon is shrinking. Can you guys believe that? The moon is shrinking. According to a new study, the moon is shrinking. And NASA flights could actually be affected. So uh, some folks over at the University of Maryland, some researchers were looking into this. And they found that the moon's core, because it was made of molten something, I guess, is cooling. And as it cools, the surface of the moon, which is brittle, starts to contract. And when it contracts and gets smaller... According to researchers, again, at University of Maryland, I don't know a ton about science and the moon and the stars, but as it contracts, the surface becomes more vulnerable, which could then lead to, you guessed it, earthquakes, which could cause landslides, which also could endanger future astronauts, which is kind of crazy. So not only is the moon's surface shrinking, it's also more dangerous when we're there. And we're about to send more astronauts there, which is nuts. Listen to this. This is uh, from a researcher at the University of Maryland. As we get closer to the crewed Artemis mission launch date, it's important to keep our astronauts, our equipment and infrastructure as safe as possible. Nicholas Schmer, a geologist at the University of Maryland who helped author the study, stated, he said, this work is helping us prepare for what awaits us on the moon, whether that's engineering structures that can be better withstand lunar seismic activity or protecting people from really dangerous zones. All good things to know. All great things to know. It reminds me of this song. Do you guys remember this song, R.E.M.? Such a great song. Do you guys believe that, by the way? Do you believe they put a man on the moon? There's a lot of people who don't. I've, I watched this, um, I can't remember where it was, but I think it was a, uh, um, I don't know, some sort of a 
documentary, one of those things. And they were lining up. This is all ridiculous. And I'm sure that I'm like 99% sure there's a printed person on the moon, but 1% of me goes, I don't know. It seems pretty tough for 1960s. Um, so what they did was they looked at all these images on that they had taken over various trips to the moon, you know, quote unquote trips to the moon, you know, I don't know. And they have those little crosshairs in those old pictures. I have these little crosshairs in the corner. And one of those was behind. And I guess, I guess there was like some, some stuff, some foreground material or some material in the foreground, which shouldn't have been like that. And so they were trying to, I guess they were trying to suggest these pictures were fake. There's actually a really interesting movie. I can't remember the name of it right now. You guys might remember it. Hit me up on the text line if you do, although it's late in the show, so I may not read it at this point. But there was a movie, and I'm trying to remember what it was. O.J. Simpson was in it. Oh, my gosh. Gemini something. Gemini something. Gemini something. What was it? Anyway, it was about the faked moon landing. And I remember seeing that as a kid and thinking, wow, is this what happened? And also I thought, wow, is that O.J.? That's crazy. And indeed, it was OJ. And I'm trying to remember the name of Gemini something. But a lot of people don't believe it happened. But I believe it happened. I think it most likely happened. Uh, So NASA plans to launch Artemis 3 in 2026, which would be the first time that they have sent a man or woman to the moon in over half a century. The last time there was a person on the moon was Apollo 17. It landed on the moon December 11th, 1972, which is really just a long time ago. Very fascinating. I was also fascinated by that song. I just played a clip from, uh, not from, from really fast. That was R.E.M. That's Michael Stipe, who's the lead singer of R.E.M., talking or, or singing Man on the Moon, which was in the movie uh, Man on the Moon, I believe, which was the Andy Kaufman story starring Jim Carrey, who was totally in character as Andy Kaufman and was apparently very bizarre on set and maybe even a little off-putting to folks because he was like channeling Andy Kaufman, totally method in that role. But Michael Stipe was on Smartless the other day, which is a fa- you know fantastic podcast. He was talking about his process for writing the song Man on the Moon. And I found this fascinating. And there's a connection to Seattle because he wrote it in Seattle. I'll let him tell you about it. The band scored um, a film called Man on the Moon with Milos Forman. Oh, right. Oh, sure. Um, oh, yeah. based, on, based on a song that we wrote called Man on the Moon, which was yeah. about Andy, Andy Kaufman yeah. and uh, the, the comedian. And... Um, uh, it kind of it kind of brought Andy back into as a as he had died and had kind of been forgotten, and um, this friend of ours brought some VHS tapes to a studio in Seattle, and we were there working. And uh, I watched the tapes, and then there was this piece of music that the band loved, but I couldn't I couldn't find it, couldn't find it, couldn't find it. And um, I went on a long walk the last day that we were in the studio, and I wrote "Man on the Moon" walking around the blocks of downtown Seattle, and wow, recorded that it that night. And we gave it to the record company the next day, and that was that. No, no, it's crazy. How, crazy. I mean, that really ha- that really happened. That's super nuts. <laughs> Isn't that so cool? It's just, I couldn't find the song. Finally, he writes a song in one walk through Seattle because it's such an inspirational city, or was once upon a time. All right, we got a lot of great stuff coming up tomorrow, but that's it for us tonight. It has been a joy and a pleasure. A blessing. It's been a blessing to hang out with you guys tonight. The blessing. So thank you guys so much for that. I really appreciate it. Come back tomorrow, but for tonight, that's it for me. Night-night. <laughs>